Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. All right, here we are. Sam, are you Sarah, oh. and Jim. Yeah, we're Hi. recording. Jimsy and Sam. Yep, yep. Welcome, everyone, to Legacy Matters, another episode of Legacy Matters. Yeah. And we'll just start off right away by thanking our listeners. Thank you very much for listening to us. We appreciate it. We love it. And it keeps growing every month. Yeah, so, it does. Yeah. And we love when the first thing you, people say to me after I haven't seen them for a while, hi, Darren, is, oh, that podcast. Okay. Right. And he launches right into something. So Yeah, it's nice. Thanks for that. Right? It's, uh, it's kind of crazy how many people are listening. And, and when you, when someone says, oh, no, I've listened to every episode, like, God, do you not work? That's weird. Or what? Like, is that that's, person's that name That Marty? is weird. That, make, that makes me uncomfortable like, when someone you, says that. I know. What do you do with your life? That, well, Marty's I mean, working. I know. Listening. I know. That's the thing is, you know, I can't tell people what to do with their time. No, but right. spend it so. listening to us. And also, we should say, leave a review on yep. the podcast platform of your choice, because that really helps for other people to find us. And you can find us on... Well, Where? I don't know. Or all the platforms. You know, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram. Ooh, it's Andalyn app, yeah. Twitter. But, we do a little bit of tweeting. Not much, but... But here we are talking to an audience that is already listening to us. They, like, they know where to find us on their, sure. <laughs> on their podcast apps. So, okay. So wherever you found us, uh, yes, I, I'm especially bad at not leaving reviews and subscribing and stuff like that but i do appreciate how much it helps take a few minutes yep yep so thank okay. you very much so right. we've got a wednesday it's wednesday afternoon beautiful day state out fair. state fair is in full swing mm-hmm. God, and gorgeous too. and we so have our sweet. guest here ah we do have a guest rj kern hello it's great welcome. to be here welcome thank you. welcome and so I'll just do a quick introduction. RJ, you are a local photographer here in town. I am. Yep. Minneapolis. Yep. Right in Minneapolis. Near the shores of Lake Harriet. Yep. And uh, you happen to be, I, I believe you just came from the State Fair this afternoon, I right? I did. It was shocking how many sweatshirts I saw walking around. <laughs> it's a little brisk out there. Yeah, for those of you for, who don't know. Which uh, means it's 68. <laughs> right. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, the Minnesota State Fair, you are not often seeing people in sweatshirts. You're seeing very sweaty people, actually, normally. it's. It's yeah, it's a cooker usually. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Late August, humid uh-huh. Minnesota. But today's a lot of uh, are cool and crisp. So, RJ, um, you have some work up there, and you have a show right now currently in Wyzetta. I do. I do. I, yeah. um, I just I have to admit this is my first podcast, and I've listened to many, oh, many podcasts over the years, so it's just, now I know what it's like being on the other side of the mic. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's um, good. Yeah, no, yeah. it's good. It's good. You know, it's the, the first-timer's luck. Here we go. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm honored to be the first photographer that's been commissioned um, to create the commemorative artwork, and each year the fair has an artist that they work with um, to create um, you know an original piece of artwork in my case I print an edition so it would be a photograph that um, becomes the art of the fair and they use that on their posters uh, marketing materials I, I haven't yet seen it on a side of buffs or anything like that but it's coming um, yeah yeah so it's been um, wonderful working with the marketing folks and uh, agricultural folks all behind the scenes at the Minnesota State Fair to um, create this photograph of essentially 24 pairs of or 24 animals so 12 pairs male and female uh, from 12 different species all looking at the camera so I kind of channeled my inner Snow White, Doctor Doolittle tendencies, uh-huh. and just you know, it's kind of like a family photo at a wedding where half everyone's paying attention, and then yeah. so that's that's what the artwork is, and then that was a commission piece, and then um, as so many photographers, 
they um, have access to unique subject matter and um, I can leverage that to create my own personal fine art project um, called The Best of the Best and that is a solo exhibition. I have a gallery that represents me here in Minnesota um, called Burnett Fine Art and Advisory and that'll be up through the end, end of August of 2018. So, okay. Yeah. How, how did that commission come about for the State Fair? How did that evolve? Yeah, do you apply for that? Or? No, it's um, it's it, invitation. Yeah. And um, a colleague of mine, um, she was a an artist that they had worked with prior, and we had just finished a collaborative shoot, and I love collaborations, and especially pulling together creative talent and where money doesn't necessarily exchange hands, which is kind of going back to the basic tenets of Burning Man, which is also going on this week. Uh, big fan of Burning Man, by the way. <laughs> and um, yeah, she had recommended it to me. And then, of course, I showed up to the meeting. This would have been March of 2018, so about 18 months ago. And I pitched them. I showed them a work sample. They loved it. Um, and then that began this project that is the artwork and I have the poster oh, here right yeah now. let's, let's take a look um, because so. so you did uh, and I you know like we only say we don't know our facts but didn't you do an entire series <laughs> from the state fair too yes yes so I'm gonna just unfurl this yep. and, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, they sell these posters at the oh, fair wow. um, look at this okay right. this is the same thing I'm seeing on your website then that's correct. RJKern.com. Yes. Correct. And uh, there is the the supreme champion, the male and females. So these um, are all the animals. Just to clarify, they're all together. This is alive. Wow. They are all. They're not stuffed. They're not stuff, <laughs> but they're not photoshopped in. They're all like here, and you're just trying to get that magic <laughs> shot. Uh, just, what, 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 what do you think? I think that they're all together. Because look, look, look closely at that, the, the herding dogs in the lower right and, and what's right in front of them and what are they salivating at. Do you think animal rights people would like that? Oh. What is it? I can't see, Sarah. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, okay, hang on. I got to look. Hold on. It better. seems to me as if you would never in a million oh, years yeah. be able to get yeah, this yeah. group of animals to That's cooperate. Correct. So did you another. do them by pairs? And then you, how did this work then? You don't make him give away his secrets. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very transparent of this process. Um, okay. There's actually a uh, time lapse. It's up on YouTube. And it's on my website of the 12 days it took to create this photograph. Um, so it was actually 12 days. It's been a full production. What we did is, uh, and the, the time lapse is one minute long. And on break, I'll have to share it with you. It's think grown men running after farm animals <laughs> and women. And, um, because, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I mean, humor and uh, patience, I think, are key to this type of subject matter that I've chosen to work with. But they, all these 24 animals, the supreme champions, so we, they're not just the grand champions, but they're the supreme champions. So let's just <laughs> say, for example, in beef cattle, you know, you would have, um, for male beef cattle, the bull right here, making bank. You, you would have um, at the judging arenas, right? And this is big business, by the way. This is the roots of why fairs began was yeah, animal right. husbandry, right. right? Is who's got the best, you know, ram or bull to mate. And it wasn't about everything on a stick and music and beer and, you know. All the stuff right. I go for these days. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of the agricultural community was very excited that animals are being showcased. Um, and if it's interesting is if you look at the beginnings of animal contests as it relates to fairs, the first one was in 1841, that was a long time ago, in New York. Yeah. And you fast forward a couple years, in 1851, you've got the very first photography exhibition at the World's Fair in London. So here is the, both the history of photography and the history of animal contests share the same kind of era of, of their birth story. And both have been heavily influenced by technology. Right. Yep. So we'll let, we can deep dive into some of that. No, but. that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, and this is a, 
I love this poster. It's a great poster. Thank it's you. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, available for purchase. Uh, yeah. We're also doing, um, uh, I signed 100 actual photographs printed on like my archival inkjet paper and um, signed them all in pencil, uh, 100. And I just checked this morning and there's currently 20 left. Oh, that's okay. Great. And they're all fundraiser for the foundation, um, which helps the grounds at the fair. They have scholarships and whatnot. Um, for the kids and it's a great cost and it's a hundred dollars. Yeah. It's the cheapest photograph I sell. <laughs> so yeah. they better sell out. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but those are all available directly through the Minnesota state fair foundation. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to someone about, uh, so I grew up in the country and you know, we lived on a farm. We weren't, it was not our farm. We rented the house. So, but I still helped the farmer do farming, you know? Um, Gosh, and my stepfather's family, they're all farmers. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was talking about 4-H and, and the fair and just how all of this works. And it's still predominantly for, for the bulk of uh, rural folks that come to Minneapolis for the fair. It is about the farming. That is absolutely what it's all about. So, Well, it's, I mean, it's also the largest arts exhibition in the state right right and i know there's a lot of artists that are featured here there's a lot of musicians that are featured on this podcast and so i mean it's it's the one of the biggest exhibitions in the world i mean last year and it keep the wildest thing about the minnesota state fair and not from not being from minnesota i never really understood what the fair was about until i went in the first time in 2011 and my eyes were open and i mean attendance year after year it's been setting records, and last year there was over two million people that came through at the course of twelve That's, you days. Know, what, half of the so population. opening yeah. day this year, they broke a re- record for attendance. Oh. Yeah, again. Yeah, they, and they will continue to. And the weather is so darn nice this year yeah. too that it's we're very lucky. But you do bring up another point at the State Fair. I mean, the arts building at the State Fair. Some people I know have never even been in there, but. But it is a great exhibition of local artists oh, here. Incredibly. I mean, it's it's amazing. And it's juried, and I yep. mean, I, I my heart always goes out for the juror because they can really only there's just not enough wall space to exhibit all the artists that show. And I know a lot of artists that have been rejected from the fair. And in fact, there's a concurrent exhibition, I believe going on right now is if you are an artist that was rejected to the fair, you are automatically accepted into this exhibition of all the state fair rejects of artists. So, um, I, I, I look at the numbers each year and, um, at least in the photography division, there was over 1100 entrants and they accepted about a, a little over a hundred. Mm-hmm. So that's about a 10% chance of getting your piece in the state fair. And there's a lot of great artists in that, the state. There is. Now I tell this story because then I look my other artist friends in the eyes, especially those that got rejected. And I said, you know what? Your chances of getting $10,000 for the artist initiative grant is about a one in four ready, set, go. Right? right. And I mean, as our taxpayers dollars at work, I mean, any, it doesn't cost any money to apply the Minnesota State Arts Board grants. I truly believe we live in one of the best states to be a working artist in terms of the support that grants give us. And, you know, this is a, the people's money. So it's, uh, you know, when you pay that in your taxes, it's nice to get it back in a, a supportive way. Right. Um, so I always I say, you know, don't get, get the jurors change every year. Mm-hmm. So keep applying. Um, and uh, it, it's a wonderful experience to meet new friends and, yeah. It's a, it, it is. It's a great venue, I mean, to walk through. It's and so these are all the supreme champions. Correct. And, and yes. I, I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but, but you being selected to do this, does that make you feel kind of like a supreme champion? Because <laughs> that's a pretty big honor to be selected to do it this. It is a big honor. That's... Uh, you know, I'm, I, I take myself sometimes too seriously and so that's one of the reasons I like working with animals as it's hard to take yourself too seriously because let's face it you you know you got rubber boots on you're running around in the field and you're trying to make something out of nothing and but you're outside you're not sitting in front of a computer and uh, you're using your tools which are like an extension of your creative consciousness and so that's that's really fun and then um, when you can create something that makes people smile um, of all ages and audiences, I mean, I, I saw a fair number of eight and 10 year olds that sat in front of this thing and 
with their head cocked sideways and wondering and just wondering, how did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Sarah. <laughs> and all I tell them is they were all there at the same place, just not at the same time. And so, yes, Sarah, they, they, <laughs> well. I, I, I will reveal my secrets. And if you watch the time lapse, it's a little one minute time lapse, but they were photographed as pairs. Um, okay. And part of the reason is not all of the animals at the fair are there at the same time. So, for example, the draft horses are on the first weekend. Okay, so last weekend, as were like the llamas. So they usually will judge them. And then they have to clear the stalls and make room for other animals. And like the beef cattle, for example, will come in at the end of the weekend. Um, so this coming Labor Day weekend, that's when the big 4-H and open class judging for cattle occur. And so it would actually be impossible because not all these classes of animals are there at the fair over those 12 day period to do something like this. So um, I'm just looking at it as like a the, and Jim, I'm sure that just the composition of oh how yeah. you laid. It's very balanced. Right? It's like you're an artist. Or yeah, something. It's, like he, it's like he knows what he's doing. So but I just love it. Right, it's because the, the blacks that, it's that next to the whites right? there, you know, I mean, how it flows, like the black of the bulls and right. the, and the, right. and and the, the anchor over here of the horse. And then they're looking over here, and those two are looking at each other. And it's, it's very interesting. Well, There's just so much to look at. We, uh, we built a studio on the fairgrounds. Um, it's like a big wedding reception tent for 12 days so just as soon as they were done judging the animals they would walk them down to the studio and my goal is to when, when creating this commission photograph is to make it look like there was not photoshop in mm. right to make it look like it actually did happen so it was painstaking amount of attention given to exactly where were the animals going to stand um i remember I, I i did tests at this at the hubbard county fair in northern minnesota and learn all from my mistakes. Like, right, right. You know, how big is a cattle versus, you know, a horse? And, you know, then you see how big the Clydesdales are that are featured, the draft horses. I mean, they're huge. Yeah, they're enormous. And you're trying to visualize this, in, like, on a piece of paper. And I've got me measuring tape out in the living room. And I'm like, honey, how how big, how close can cattle stand to each other and comfortably? <laughs> Who and, knows? You know, so it's all this, like, and I'm a city slicker through and through. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we, uh, um, so that's that's kind of the. But I had everything kind of mapped out on uh, rocks at the lake. I laid them out on the dock, and my my kids, um, Olaf and Hazel, they're ages four and three, helped me choose. Okay, this is a cattle sized rock. This is a llama sized rock. No, nope, no, nope, that's too short. Llamas are taller, so you need a lot skinnier. So we, I have a photo on my Instagram feed um, at Kern Photo where you can actually see like the first sketch of like how are all these animals, where are they gonna stand? And we actually went right off of that. And yeah. it I was glad. The one exception and, and keep in mind like when the judges are judging these animals, they're looking at all sorts of anatomical features of the animals for breeding purposes, like the loin, the symmetry and if you hear them judge like the supreme champion dairy cow, I mean, you would think it's a sexist. Like, <laughs> look at the mammary glands and the size of the teats on this one. <laughs> so you kind of have to take this as the construct of, you know, this is animal husbandry judging, right? And so when they selected the uh, for the sheep class, uh, there was the ram, which I've photographed a fair amount of goats and sheep in my life. Um, my first monograph was the sheep and the goats. But then when they came out with the female, the 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 ewe, um, she was so small. She was only eight months old and much, much shorter than what I had planned for because I wanted the head to be about two feet taller. Right? <laughs> but it, it all worked out. And uh, uh, that ram actually went on to win grand champion uh, at the Louisville show, which is like the World Series for wow. specific to sheep. So that's what people often don't realize, too, is these animals... They, th this, these aren't the minor leagues for <laughs> animal contests. These are, this is, this is like. So they feed, so it's, it's county fairs feed the state fair. State fairs feed another, like the, there's state, the grand champions or supreme champions at, at different state fairs then meet up for another one. Think of it kind of like the state fairs, like the world series. Okay. But there's the all-star game. And those are all specific. Uh, so these, so for example, the Louisville show is, I believe, in the fall. I know, like the Denver National Western Stock Show and Rodeo. That's more specific to horses, cattle. 
I don't believe there's like a poultry, like a turkeys. I don't think a sure. judge there or rabbits possibly. I, I doubt it. But here they do. Yeah. And so that's why I thought that this is a good kind of cross. If, if the story of Noah's Ark were true today, all right, yeah. at Minnesota, this could be what it looks like. <laughs> These are the winners. They so, get to go. <laughs> so the series you did um, prior to this poster, obviously, you know, you had photographed um, the people with their animals. Is, was that last year? So or? the project, so there's, this is my, um, we would call, we'll just call this my fourth fine art photographic series. Um, the Unchosen Ones project was where I went out to 10 different county fairs. So not the state fair, but the county fairs in Minnesota and photographed the last place contenders. That's right. So I don't know if oh. you've seen that TV, uh, that movie, uh, Talladega Nights. Legend of Ricky Bobby. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right, with yes. Will Ferrell's character and his dad was this race car driver and he's like, son, if you ain't first, you're last. And he told this to his like his <laughs> kindergarten class and he grew up his whole life thinking he had to be first. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, you know, as a race car driver, so all this <laughs> emphasis by a parent on his son being first, right? And we see this as a cross-section in society, too, right? And then at the end of the film, his dad's like, well, no, you can be second, you can be third. Well, hey, you can even be fourth. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it Burt Reynolds? Was the yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, this was nice a reference. <laughs> yeah, well, that was kind of the impetus for that particular project. And um, I think... We all know what it's like not to be chosen for something. I mean, as an artist for a juried group exhibition or for love or for a job. And this notion of empathy, especially in an election year, this was um, 2016, was really important. And so um, I looked at it not just like this project that what it eventually became, but it, it was more of a way to kind of gain access to animals. Um, goats and sheep in particular um, in Minnesota. I mean, if you have been working on this project in Ireland and Iceland and um, Germany and Norway, and there's sheep and goats all over the place. In the most, like in rural, you got to be careful in Ireland, especially not to hit them, right, yeah, with right. your car. But you don't see that in Minnesota. And so that's why I went out to the fairs, met the kids, uh, photographed 65 kids in that particular project. And, um, National Geographic ended up publishing that as a full feature. Um, and those are the ones that are on your website, correct? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ones and I right. saw those, I, I saw some of those photos, actually, at Burnett. I believe you had some of those up in yes. the exhibition. So that was a shown exhibition last oh, yes, year. Yes, I have seen these. Oh, wow. So that's yeah. a pretty cool honor to be in National Geographic. Yeah, I right? mean, there's... I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm it's very totally jealous. awesome. Hard You're being humble so now. Nice. Um, no, that's a great that's thing. Really Becoming cool. Midwestern. Yeah, <laughs> right. My wife would say that. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? Um, so I was a military um, brat. I moved around quite a bit growing yeah. up. And um, so longing for possibly pastoral rooting I never had. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, my wife's family kind of was grew up in a small town where everyone knows your name. And um, so I, I born in New York and then uh, moved to Virginia, North Carolina, uh, Washington State is kind of where I, my stomping grounds were. I went to high school and then back to upstate New York for undergrad and then um, began working at National Geographic. To, literally, it was um, the day out of college. I had an internship and that turned into a contract position as a cartographer, and I was a cartographer for about five years, um, working with in the mapping world, and then um, taught well, mapping. Yeah, that's, that's fancy. We're interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, and how long yeah. have you been here? Uh, 2011. Okay. Yeah, we're growing roots. So we're staying here. So, years. so what was the initial uh, interest to get into the animal part of it? Well, if you look at Goats, for example, they're the oldest domesticated species, according to National Geographic. Um, so humans have had relationships with goats way before dogs and cats. Right. Right. So we've used them just as much as they have used us for milk, cheese, fiber, f companionship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so these are very ordinary creatures. And I'm very interested in finding beauty in the ordinary, not necessarily the exotic. Um, there's tons of great work being done all over the belt vanishing cultures and endangered species and 
um, I had a, a news editor at National Geographic. He told me once, it's like, you have to find your shtick. Right. You know, stay focused because you can't do it all. Right. And so it took me a long time to find that shtick. Um, and photography was something I loved. I started off in high school. Um, started a wedding photography business in 2006 and then shot weddings for 10, 11, 12 years. Um, as while I was pursuing my fine art interests as a back, back, you know, back time. And now I'm full, mostly relying on grants, fine art prints, book sales for mm -hmm. my income. And, right. Uh, it's a scary world. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a fine art photographer. So. Well, you're in good, good company here because, you know, trying to make a living. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's anyway. a difficult road. No doubt about it. But, I mean, this is all, I mean, you, you've definitely found a, a path, you know, and, and you know, you're, you're you're very clear in that path, it seems. I think you know? it's important. Um, you know, there's, it's easy to let little buttons in front of the computer or all those buttons on the camera, like, overwhelm you. And there's a lot of photographers that are just very technical photographers. But I, I say you got to push the, the big button on your head, like the critical thinking cap. Like, that's the one that most people fail to recognize. Like, that's the most important one, right? So it's going back to your question about you know, why the animals as a subject is you know these are very mythical creatures too like we have so many stories about these animals these are they're revered like mascots on nfl teams like you know right. say, la rams right. Right. right or the sacrificial lamb or that we hear in the bible or so um you know none of my work is really innately political or religious and connotations but there's themes for sure that we see donkeys versus elephants right <laughs> right yeah. Um, yeah animals are definitely a thing exactly <laughs> exactly right. yeah so um and w going back to kind of the roots of photography and the roots of animal contests um that's why what some of the very first photographs that we see are of prize-winning animals cattle, sheep in particular. And I find that fascinating, right? Because often if you, you were an esteemed, let's say, you know, horse breeder or cattle breeder, like you had some money to pay someone to actually create a photograph as a document of this animal for your marketing. Yeah. Of that animal's, right. or just pride, right? Yeah. Back when photographs were not easy to come by. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That was, not only were you, it was a sign of wealth that you had this, premier animal you know but then you had the means also to have the photograph taken right. you yeah, know and, and actually have it in your possession the horse up on the wall and, yeah yeah you know, which is interesting because seeing those photographs that you had of the kids basically mm -hmm. with their animals you know mm -hmm. some of those i mean those were really interesting for that particular project the unchosen ones thank you um it was really about looking at this relationship between the kids and the animals and how hard they have to work. I mean, most of these animals are fed before these kids have breakfast and the kids are responsible for that. Right. And they take the job very seriously. Yeah. Um, and to pay homage to that, to put them in the best light possible was important. Um, I look at the project, not, I'm not a documentary fine art photographer, but this project is definitely very documentary in focus. I mean, it's a typology of, in one year, here are these kids. <laughs> and they're not smiling like what they would do, maybe fake smiling for their parents in front of the camera. But, you know, I asked them all one important question before I photographed them is, is show me what next year's grand champion would look like. You know, and just keep in mind, they were fresh off the judging line. Yeah. Like they were just literally chosen last, most of them, for their county fair, right? That the, the first ones are going to the state fair and they're going home. Yeah. Back out and you chose to photograph them. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so they, I had to really come to the table like, hey, I'm working on this grant project and I promise to put you in the best light possible. Of course, they're all minors and they're animals. So if any, if any photographers out there know how difficult it is to photograph kids and know how <laughs> difficult it is to photograph animals, try putting them together <laughs> in a very yeah. controlled environment, studio environment. So that's, that's, um, that, that work became a typology. Yeah, and in, in understanding, um, I mean, the way I look at it is this, this you know, longing almost as kind of a meditation on the rural pastoral. Like, oh, this is modern America. This is what it looks like, and this is real. Mm -hmm. And you know, Photoshop's not allowed in National Geographic. 
So they're very, it's a photojournalistic. Um, and so the first image in the series, uh, in the spread, everyone's like, it looks so much like a painting. And I was like, well, thank you. I always say painters have it easy. They can just paint in the light. <laughs> I have to schlep it. <laughs> TSA doesn't like me. Uh, so it's the first one here, Dumb and Dumber. Um, this one or no? Page prior. Yep. This one. Nope. No, page prior. There we go. So, <laughs> yeah. so it looks very much like a Dutch Flemish it's, landscape painting. Very, very much so. Much. It's very, uh, we were talking about this today too. It's, I want to have this like on my wall, like huge blow up, just setting the scene because it has I can that, help you with that. I, we're going <laughs> to talk about that. I did tell but, Sarah. That. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it's like the great outdoors and you're catching that very magical kind of ethereal and it does look like a painting. That's I didn't catch so much. This Hold on here, because this is an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I created that. You know, there was very little luck in that. I brought all, that's a three light setup. So every, this is a constructed landscape, mind you. Okay, now the goats were real. Mm -hmm. I've said they're not stuffed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the landscape's real. But like when you study paintings, right? I look at shadow detail. That's, the, that's what I think photographs generally lack. Mm -hmm. So the way I like to think as a photographer is hide your main light with your fill light, right? Mm -hmm. So your shadows get this nice, subtle tonality that everyone thinks it looks, because that's what painters essentially did. Yeah, and your work has a very painterly quality. This poster does, too. It's very, reminds me of Renaissance Rembrandt, you know? I mean, the browns and the blacks and the, and the way this white is even shown. I mean, it's beautiful. Thank you. It is Thank very you. painterly. You know, and the composition is too. So many years ago, I uh, I lived in Germany for a little while, and I you're sparking a memory. I have photos of those big white uh, European cows that, oh, yeah. we, that we don't see here in America for mm -hmm. some reason. You know which ones I'm talking about? Oh, the they're bells all, usually. They're all too. bulbous and yeah, yeah, super super cool. I I and I took photos of cows and sheep because. And I'm not a photographer, you know, I'm, a, I'm just an amateur photographer, but because of how cool they were and they're, they're just out there in their environment, standing by the side of the road, looking at you and they don't, they don't give a damn. No, and <laughs> they're just stop. doing their own yeah, thing. And you can stop and just keep chewing grass. walk right up to them and take a picture. But all right, well, we've, uh, we've made it through the first half of this show. So oh. we should take a quick, quick break. little break, quick break and get okay. back to this. That's good. All right. Okay. All right. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel safe products directly to your door in an airport security safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. All right, all right, all right. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what isn't? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeling service, residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with a purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consolation. God, I just like, that, that one, all right, that one is definitely not going to be mine. That could be oh, my favorite. I could Brought to you by the Andalin app. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalyn, uh... Andalyn, now available on the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalyn.app for more information. Want to go on a wilderness adventure with Sam? Or maybe know a group of kids who could benefit from a break from their electronics? Maybe you just need a break from the kids. Visit earthed.org for more information about how to get started. Do you have an idea that you know deserves a digital solution? Finding a partner to help navigate the digital design and application building process can be daunting. Mobile Composer, in partnership with Kinetic Legacy, offers forward-thinking design built on a stable and adaptable compliance platform. Visit mcomposer.com or kineticlegacy.us to get started building the solutions of tomorrow. Enterprise or consumer together, Mobile Composer and Kinetic Legacy offer solutions that work in a language you can understand. Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. 
Visit jamesholmberg.com to find out more. The sheep and the goat. Are we recording? We are now. All right, welcome back. Here we are. (laughs) We're here with RJ Kern. RJ's book. Yes. The sheep and the goat. The sheep and the goats, right? And the goats, sorry. So, Kier... Care Verlag. Okay. So they're the publisher. They're the they publisher, were, and they are located where? Uh, Heidelberg, Germany. So it's actually Heidelberg. where my father's family is all from. And uh, so was this a deliberate decision to work with? It German was. Publisher? It was. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was this particular project and the theme of the podcast, Legacy Matters, um, mm-hmm. was really kind of an ancestral exploration of my heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom's family is Irish, and my dad's family is German. So you get kind of someone who likes music, drinking, and photography, like technicals all putting together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I was really interested in kind of going back there and um, looking at what does the contemporary German landscape look like? It's the pastoral. And then I had good relationships with the publisher and they published the work. And um, so, but uh, yeah, long story short, I mean, it was really wild to be going out there and I'm like, yeah, these are kind of my ancestors' homelands. And, this and is- how many generations removed? Uh, it would have been so on my mother's side they it was my great grandfather moved from Ireland mm-hmm. um, and he was a stonemason in uh, Philadelphia and then it was my dad's grandfather they were also came over so it okay, was so it was a couple generations mm-hmm. removed but um, yeah it was it was kind of this interesting you know especially with um, immigration policy being reformed, and it was like, well, you know, I'm Caucasian, male. Um, you know, my people came over here. I, and they face the, a lot I, of the, my, I have the same ancestral roots, a little bit Norwegian thrown in there, but it's, it was the same thing when they came through, you know, mm-hmm. in the turn of the century. Yeah. So is everything in this book, was it German-based, or is it Europe that you were photographing? So half the book of the sheep and the goats is um all in europe so norway iceland ireland and germany then the other half was in minnesota and there's the first image in the book um it uh that that started the whole project excuse me it's um this photograph in it's called quigley um which uh Let's see how we can kind of show you here. I know you radio listeners, it's a little <laughs> difficult um, <laughs> to visualize, but think a golf course that's been preened by a sheep. And if you think actually the game of golf uh, was actually um, in Scotland, the goats and sheep would eat the grass and that's how the turf right. became so smooth and they would burrow in, into the grass um, to stay out of the wind when they sleep and that's what created the sand traps. I did not know that. People oh. didn't know the game of golf was due to sheep and goats. So they've shaped the landscape just as much as they, we have shaped them in terms of evolution. But I was curious to see what would this photograph of Quigley standing in this green pastoral scene, um, what would that look like in Minnesota? And so that's where I did the Unchosen Ones project and then photographed one of, this is Stella here on the preceding page. So that's kind of, you can see different shifts in the landscape, mm-hmm. uh-huh. different shifts in... Um, the the shape of the animal and such. So that was kind of one of the, um, and then of course my um, paying homage to, again to the podcast of Family Matters. There's one photograph of Hazel, um, which is actually a family name. So that's where my mm-hmm. daughter's name comes from. It's a uh, it's my wife's grandmother's name. Oh, and that's then a great name. <laughs> that's a great name. Yeah. And Hazel. then the movie Frozen kind of screwed this one up for my son. Because they have, um, stand by here as I'm looking. There's the world's most friendly snowman's name is Olaf. Oh no, no, not Olaf, right? It is, it is Olaf. Yeah. Is well, it? it's the pronunciation because uh. in the movie they call it Olaf. But if you if you're from if you live in Minnesota and you say I went to Saint Olaf, they're gonna look at you right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Olaf. Right? Yeah. So um, yeah, so my son's name is Olaf and. Uh, uh, this particular image was taken north of the Arctic Circle um, in the Lofoten Islands of Norway, as I'm like, here it is. And so, oh, wow. yeah. So, I mean, that's, so that's RJ, when you're out there, are, are you by yourself? 
Are you, and what, what kind of equipment are you shooting? Yeah, so I'm, I, it depends, each trip's different. I always like having a helpful set of hands. I joke, they're my voice activated light stand holders. <laughs> little to the left, little to the right, yeah. you know. Um, you know, then if I get into trouble in most of these places, it's all public land or, you know, you get permission, but it's always nice, you know, being in company of others. Um, and I, and I have a lot of gear because I'm essentially bringing my studio equipment out into the field. Um, so I shoot all on a medium format camera system. It's all digital. Um, basically if you shot medium format film, um, the digital back is now where, where the film back was. So it's a giant sensor. And then I have my lighting that I bring out there and a multiple, you know, light stands and diffusers and rubber boots and, you know, a good attitude. <laughs> well, and you get to travel to some awesome places, it looks like. Well, it, 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 they, they um, you know, it's, I, I often thought, like, you have to chase the exotic to create good photographs. And it actually turned to be not the case at all. That I would think, oh, maybe you know, I want to be a national. I mean, who doesn't want to be a national geographic right. photographer one day, <laughs> right? Right. And it's so ironic that I didn't have to go hardly outside my backyard for right. all of this work. And it was, it was just, again, looking outside your backyard, and that's what was featured in National Geographic was everything in Minnesota. Yeah. So um, one one other thing that I wanted to share, given the theme of the podcast as it relates to the state fair poster is um if you look carefully in the just there's a little little hidden easter egg in the artwork and i'm going to give you a little tip here if we think of that my kids were horsing around sarah (laughs) can you see it you got to look carefully what is that what does it look like (laughs) what have you got in there in the original photograph, now keep in mind the photograph is like sixty inches and ninety inches, depending. Is it a, I have no they're idea. their shoes, like a pair of shoes. Oh. To, uh, my daughter's left shoe, my son's oh, right shoe. Yeah, <laughs> just kind I of hid that in now. there. <laughs> I was gonna say it like it. It looked like the hoof. That's kind of how it is. It, it yeah. did look like the hoof. Right? Yeah. So I'm glad I wasn't put on the spot, Sarah. <laughs> so these animals, this would have been you took these last year, then. Correct. These yeah. are the the title of the photograph is the Minnesota State Fair Supreme Champions in 2018. Okay. Okay. Right, um, but that was the uh, photograph for the 2019 fair. Yep. Yep. Because you wouldn't be able to get them this year already. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I have another question, just sort of like on your printing process. Like, mm-hmm. can you describe that? Because I. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's you use a interesting, different sure. Sure, sure, sure. sort of. I don't know what the alchemy of <laughs> printing. <laughs> I, I see where you're going. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the current the project that's being exhibited at Burnett um, Fine Art and Advisory in Wyzetta is called the Best of the Best, and it features salt prints on top of archival pigment prints, and so this is. The first time I've ever seen something like this done, which I think it's exciting, and there's a lot of technical, let's just call it proprietary processes I had to figure out. Um, and take a step back, going to the roots of the fairs, um, those first early photographs that we see are salt prints, and it's very simple. It's basically like a parchment paper, like a cotton rag paper, and you coat it with a salt solution, you know, water-based, let it dry coat it with a silver nitrate solution, let it dry, and the salt and the silver nitrate form what's called silver chloride. And silver chloride is light sensitive. It will turn black when it hit, when UV light hits it. So that's how the very first photographs were created, like Fox Talbot in you know mid-19th century. It was a photogram. He left a leaf on a piece of paper, and that was the image that resulted, right? So that has shaped, I mean, now you look at photography and how ubiquitous big word it is today but like this is the roots this is basic chemistry right yeah you make it sound like it's sort of simple and easy (laughs) well yeah i I mean it's it's um so one of my early inspirations was nadar which um is actually a a pseudonym marketing name the last name of like adrian tornjan and his brother and and there's a son they were um one of the first successful portrait studios in paris and this was mid-19th century and nadar um 
there was an exhibition as part of Perry Photo last November at the National Library of France, and they had an ex exhibition of his work. And he loved marketing as a photographer, and he heavily used the color red. Um, he had red hair and a red beard, and he would greet his clients with a red velvet cloak and the inside of his studio was all red and he had big red gas lamp letters outside and he would stamp all of his photographs with this little red n right so uh but they're black and white photographs so to kind of answer your question about yeah. you know this current printing this color red was very thematic to me so as i created the commemorative artwork i knew there had to be something in here for me too right and if you look at so many of shall we call it, um, images that a lot of people just can recognize. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, you know, or Muhammad Ali, like standing with his hand up. Those were like iconic photographs, right? Yet, technically, they're nothing special, but it was the access the photographer had to the subject matter, right? And I was like, well, I'm never going to get this again with the Supreme Champion Animals. So I knew that, okay, I have this access, what am I gonna do with it? And so I painted this red backdrop, which was meant to be really as a backup plan in the event that the composite didn't work, I would treat it like a green screen. Mm -hmm. But what it eventually became is this, um, these series of the pairs, just the animals, in which I stripped out parts of the photographs and then overlaid with a salt print on top of, so think the best, capability of what camera technology is today. So I shot this on a phase one IQ3 trichromatic 100 megapixel camera. It's capable of rendering what that human eye can see in terms of tonality and detail. And I could totally nerd out, which I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so, that was a pretty like nerd it. moment like, right oh there. There's a whole bunch of like <laughs> no, 100 <laughs> megapixel thing. I look over at Sam and his eyes are like wide. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm just yeah. an amateur photographer, but, but I've got fairly enjoy. decent equipment. Yep. So enjoy. I stripped all that out and it's okay. So I, this was all photographed with the best of the best, like the yeah. best camera equipment is currently commercially available. Um, and then used all 19th century processing. Um, literally the same technology and approach that they would have been able to create this type of photograph 175 years ago mm -hmm. with basic salt solution, silver nitrate, and sunshine, essentially. Yeah. So I developed a dim room. It's not quite a dark room because salt printing doesn't require complete darkness. And I've missed working with my hands. And I've heard this kind of conversation come up on your podcast, especially with technology. It's so far removed from the process. It's nice to get my hands wet again. And so I created this series of kind of salt prints, merging kind of the old and the new technologies, not in two different photographs, but in the exact same photograph. And it's astounding on the level of quality and detail. Yeah, I'm loving this. From a salt print, <laughs> right? Like people think that te digital technology is pretty amazing. Well, if you study salt prints and go back and see some that are 150 years ago, they're pristine. Yeah. And I used the same sort of technique um, of taking uh, white beeswax with lavender oil. And the lavender oil acts as like a vehicle to spread the wax on top of the paper to protect the print. So it kind of minimizes the amount of oxygen. Because silver nitrate, if you have like your mom's silver dishes, they tarnish, right? So you're it's not inert. Like right. platinum or gold is inert. And so this was... Um, a way to protect the print. And that's how those early photographs were protected. You take a color photograph that was taken 25 years ago. I bet that thing is faded. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I was paying homage to that, those roots. So, well, that, we do talk a lot about that, that sort of bridge between analog and digital um, in, you know, old and new. I mean, that's, that's an interesting process. And I didn't, I don't understand it completely. Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously, I, I know that you're doing something in that realm, you know. Yeah, and and then your book too. You had that book, yeah, 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 that you just did, which is also super interesting, and and that sort of has that, um, you know, it's sort of three D. It's almost pop up, in, yeah, in a well, way. It's exactly just that. It's, yeah, um, it's a three D pop up book. If, if you look at the um, the the golden age of pop up books in Germany with Megendorfer was using farm animals as subjects. And that's why some of the very first pop-up books are, you know, far, kids' books, basically. So here was this trifecta, photography, the birth of photography, the birth of animal contests, and pop-up books. So I created pop-ups. Uh, I worked with a dear friend of mine, Kyle Ullman, who's in Brooklyn. 
and uh, he's done a couple pop-up books for like MoMA for their holiday card and stuff like that. And so he, we created salt prints and then uh, he cut them out and they're like a, a sculptural installation. Yeah. And it, uh, everything kind of folds up into a book, um, but they're addition of 12. And so it's a rare art book, if you mm-hmm. call it that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Very limited yeah. edition and with a very niche audience. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did want to give a quick shout out to um, the University of Minnesota. They have a, the Gorman Rare Art Book Library and book arts in Minnesota is very popular. We, I, a lot of artists don't realize how like the book arts, we have the Minnesota Center for Book Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, we have these libraries that have pretty good collection of books. They just acquired, they were the first customer. So it's, oh, I got rejected fun. twice from grad school there, but they had supported. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know what though? When this you come back important. and they're like, yeah, but they collect my, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, that's pretty <laughs> sweet. Sounds like a win for yeah. RJ. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I saw you on, 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 uh, kind of show the book the other evening and and what I think is so interesting is that how it kind of came out in I mean I'm sure if it sounds funny but it it you know the square format when it's all done is with the animals popped out it's like you know a pen sort of for the animals it it reminded me like oh, okay you've got everything kind of corralled in there you can almost hear the goats going Aah. i know right <laughs> yeah. so no that was the idea is that it's a this kind of movable book that's in a yeah. accordion style but you can arrange it in a rectangle and a star shape a, a line um, yeah and i you know part of that is this really try to understand who are the audiences for my work mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of phenomenal photographers out there, but it's interesting if you go to some of the major metropolitan art museums in New York, uh, let's just say, and you know they're open late on like a Thursday night, and the galleries are packed, right? And then the library, which is attached to the museum, it's also open late, and there's not a soul in there, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> books are very static in that type of context, right? They're on pedestals, usually they're behind plexi, and they're not very interactive. And so that's why I was like, I want to create something that could theoretically be a sculpture in a rare book library museum, mm-hmm. right? And it pays homage to this project. So that's... that's yeah, very successful. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. Thank you. really is. Yeah, I don't know how all this stuff happens. Like, how people get to be sort of so smart and so involved in things that they come up with crazy crap like that like it's a, it's it's, it's passion, just amazing to me you know well, and clearly you. you know the history and you know the genealogy of where where all this is coming from and you're just trying to move this skill forward or these talents forward right yeah do you see yourself in that light for sure for sure and i, I, I given again the name of the podcast legacy matters i think is a photographer and we see how common photography is is yet people don't understand the shoulders of the photographers that they stand on to create this work how hard it was to create a photograph back in those days right so and and how many photographs are taken that nothing is done or they're lost in the digital realm right so it's, I think that's one of the joys of the handmade process of, hey, if I can inspire a few people to really think about, oh, wow, this is where the roots of photography comes from, like a better appreciation moving forward. Right. Yeah, we think about this stuff all the time. I mean, there... Well, I, we do. We do, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the app that we've built, Andalyn, is... So Legacy Matters is, is obviously our podcast about legacy, and Andalyn is a memory preservation legacy building app but uh we've recently realized it's like the absolute best place to store your photos without question so so you can share them with friends yeah and and so that gets us thinking about photos and and i'm trying to put photos you know from my collection into the proper context within this scrapbooking photo preservation app and i've got you know, I've got 51,000 photos, literally, in my phone. Plus, I've got, uh, I worked at a boys camp for years, and I, I did a lot of photography. In the first 15 years I was there, it was film. So I have a lot more film that I have to go back and preserve and, and get those photos digitized to put them somewhere else. But it's, we just talk about this stuff all the yeah. time because it's all so, very interesting. So, RJ, what do you do for fun? 
What's what's your downtime? Yeah. Mm. Or is this so much fun? Which I know it is for you. <laughs> I know it is. So it's kind of like you know. I mean, I know you're enjoying yourself. Yeah, but yeah. what else you? Oh, I love the cinema. I really do. Yeah. I get a lot of inspiration from film and movies. Um, and so yeah, just checking out. Um, this morning, my kids we watched The Secret Life of Pets two. Just, just you know, animals, <laughs> yeah, humor, <Yep>. cartoons. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, they get it. Um, they're snuggling next to me, and yeah. You know, so we had a leisure half hour extra in bed, and that was really special. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was fun in a parenting sense, um, you know, because you, you think about it. Like when I'm dead, I mean, I'm going to turn into dust, right? Or, right. Know, I mean, my work is who knows what happens to it, right? But it's like if you can inspire, you know, or at least our kids are kind of the one thing that if we can make them just we're going to screw them up but at least make them a good citizen <laughs> in the process yep. like that's that's the bigger picture and if we can inspire other people awesome um so yeah, yeah i don't i never inspire to have my name on a building or anything like that about my legacy but it's the kids it's yeah. you know, slowing down um i also enjoy teaching taekwondo I have a little club um uh, through the city of minneapolis um the pershing rec center and uh, on Wednesday nights, um, we've got like the tiny tiger class, which are like the kids. tiny tiger. I love I the name. Oh, they'll eat people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> uh, but their age is like four, five, and six. And at that, it's more like teaching life skills. You know, listening, paying attention, following directions. Um, you know, they, they won't listen to their parents. Maybe they may not listen to their school teachers, but they'll listen to a fifth degree black belt. Talk to them and understand. So that's where I come in. It's authoritative. My my five year old niece, who's actually your sister, yeah, crazy relation, but she's was in. Was she in? RJ's like, what did you just say? I don't know. Point being, she's six now, but she was in. Was she in Taekwondo? I think so. Okay. Yep. So I went one time, and then we realized no one can be present because all she is is like. The whole waving, <laughs> hi. But the, the, the te- well, is it called the teacher or the, what do you call it? Instructor. The instructor. She said she had lots of potential. She just can't, she doesn't have the patience, you know, because she's all over the place. So I give you a lot of credit for for that. You know, my wife will say the same thing. She's like, RJ, you're like a sailboat. You have a great big sail, but no rudder. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> so my goal is to give some of these kids some rudders. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good, it's a, it's a discipline, right? It's giving them something, yeah, different perspective. Yeah, that's really what sure. it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and attitude, like you know, thinking about attitude and um, goals and that sort of thing. I mean, that's that's I think bigger picture, you know, mm-hmm. especially so many of these kids. Um, you know, third, fourth grade, that's where the bullying starts. Mm -hmm. And if you self-esteem, especially with young girls, if you can really instill a sense of confidence in themselves, that can help ward off so many things later on in life. Right. And, um, you know, once they get bullied and they they start skipping school and dropouts and then suicide. And I mean, it just, it's big stuff. Right. Yeah. And so that's the bigger picture. So like, if you can kind of help shape, you know, just teach some life skills mm-hmm. through Taekwondo. I, that's, that's what I like. Mm-hmm. So, and it helps diversify with being a fine art photographer too. <laughs> I, I teach life skills through fishing. Uh-huh. That's, <laughs> that's how I spend the, the way I do it's it. It's important. Right? Yeah, just the zen of sitting there and fishing. It's like know? an excuse of doing nothing. I think sometimes we all need that reminder. Like, you know, it's not a sport of catching. It's no. Fishing. Yeah. <laughs> it's that uh, moment. Yeah, that's good. Good work. So, uh, what part of town do you live in? We live uh, near Linden Hills. Okay, right near Lake Harriet, South Minneapolis. Yeah, well, the happiest place on on the planet. It's you know, <laughs> you know, my mother-in-law would say, you know, if there was a perfect place, we would all live there. And I say, you know, if it wasn't for the mosquitoes and the harsh winters, you know, we'd right. all live here. Right? Yeah, Minnesota is great for that. Yeah, uh, let's not let's not just on the odd chance that we have uh, people from out of state. Oh, we have a few. Yeah, we don't we don't like to indicate what a lovely place this is. We don't have anyone else to <laughs> I mean, move it's here. Like protecting your favorite bar or something, you know? Like, no, it's, it's uh, terrible. It's an awful place. You don't want to move here. Uh, nothing good happens in Minnesota. There you go. I fixed it. <laughs> okay. No, we love it here. I do love South Minneapolis. It's such a well. I love all of Minneapolis, but you know, it's just a just a nice town. That's for sure. Yeah. So. So, what do you think your next project's going to yes. be right now? What are you What are you thinking? 
Oh, it's funny. And, or maybe that's top secret. No, 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 it's so funny you should ask because there's so many parallels. I think being an artist or a photographer and like a musician. And you know, when musicians go into the studio to record their album, it's a year before they are on tour, right? So they're already, by the time they're debuting their music to their fans or audience, like they're already halfway sick of the song, right? Yeah. And they're just, yet it's brand fresh new to their audiences, right? And so it's part of the the horse and pony show, if you will. It's like, no, you want to be, uh, you don't want to put out a project that's not fully baked. So you do need that time to make sure that um, the ideas are sound and get a backing, whether it be like for this particular project, I had a um, Anjali Leibowitz. Um, she's a curator um, in the Department of Photographs at the National Gallery of Art wrote for the book so to have a curator from the national gallery write for a project i mean that takes time to kind of line up before everything launches right so the next project is essentially it's continue i always like putting projects together you know like looking at the last place kids and then the best of the best right out to pasture of the unchosen ones out to pasture of the best of the best is kind of my next project and so i'd love to spend some time this fall with many of these animals that are in the commemorative artwork um, out in their home pasture uh, yeah. and bring out my lighting and um, usually some of the neighborhood farm kids are there helping with lighting and we're just having fun you know? yeah so kind of exploring that modern pastoral yeah. yeah boy the kids must just totally love that right to help out <laughs> well it's, I think anytime you can take an interest in something that they're passionate about it makes them feel special totally. and that's that's key and then also recognizes like Hey, you, you, you work really hard to do this. Right. And, uh, yeah. Maybe inspire them to delve into it a little bit more. Photography or whatever it is. Or, or just stay, stay, you know, stay true to what their focus and their goals are. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, 4-H is wonderful for teaching life skills th- for, for the kids. Um, as I wrote in National Geographic, I said, I just hope county fairs are still around in 100 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's hard. I went to one, the Monoman County Fair uh, for the Sunchosen Ones project, and the kid that I photographed had a reserve champion ribbon. And reserve champion is what? You guys know? No. Second, I don't. Second place. Second place. Second place. Second place. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to throw <laughs> myself like, out. Like, well, I was going to say, is it like if something happens to the champion that the reserve champion gets put in? <laughs> right. So, the, so you know, you, you see this um, Gus, is his name, and he's standing there with uh, Doolittle, his, his goat. And he's got the second place or the reserve champion ribbon. And everyone's like, he's not a loser. I'm like, well, first off, he's, he's the unchosen one. He wasn't chosen for first. But I said, second of all, I was like, he was second out of two. Uh And that really kind of shows you that, you know, you just hope, you know, I think in the Twin Cities, we have a very strong like farm to table movement where people really value fresh produce, organic, Mm -hmm. free range, local farm, you know, locally sourced, you know, try to reduce carbon footprint and support local businesses. So that's a good thing. Right. But still, you don't have to go too far. And like agrarian societies, I mean, they're just they're an aging population getting kids in those areas it's it's a it's a big challenge you know the kids are moving to the cities yeah and so what's happening to the family farm you know those are bigger issues yeah they really are we're we're fans of our rural americans or rural minnesotans here on this podcast because i like we all have some rural roots and yet we live in the city right here we are but uh watching small towns out in rural america you know, crumble is really a sad, we need to do something to help mm-hmm. them for sure. Yeah. That's interesting though. I didn't even think about, uh, the county fairs like in that way, you know, and, and getting the kids there, how to participate, mm-hmm. you know, in that or keeping that, he you only know, ever tradition. chicks at the, <laughs> at what would you say? <laughs> Jim only ever scoped chicks at the county fair. That was the that whole... was the crystal frolics. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the crystal frolics. Oh my God. Uh, Just saying. You well, know. Um, on that note, <laughs> we uh, we have done our second half. We always give our guests an opportunity to uh, promote anything. I feel like you've done <laughs> not to put you on the spot. Uh, you've promoted a lot, but it. We do want to maybe succinctly tell people where they can find your work. Sure. All of that. Sure, sure. Um, my website is my name, uh, rjkern, K-E-R-N, dot com. And um, 
that's a good starting spot. And then from there, if uh, folks want to see the show at um, Burnett Fine Art and Advisory, they're in YZ. Um, the fine art commemorative artwork will be on exhibition through the remainder of the fair, which runs through Labor Day 2019. So check it out. It's uh, right when you walk in the fine arts exhibition. Um, you know, check out a lot of the other talented artists in the state. I think there's over 300 works there. And uh, yeah. That's great. Great. Very good. Thank you so much for having me. RJ? Yeah. Well, I, before we say goodbye, though, Jim, did you... Did you do the weather at the beginning? I, I, I did. You did might you have skip? been... He's sleepy today. I am a little sleepy today. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I did do the weather. Okay. Weather. 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 <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did the weather because it's the state fair. Oh, Remember? Right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Usually it's... I just wanted to make sure we got it. Right. Oh, we're in. You're right. I'm we sleepy. got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, RJ. Thank you, RJ. Thank oh, you beautiful so much. Work. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you all. Okay. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care. Mm-hmm.